Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Enjoy local voices. Enjoy local opinions. All on one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast DC is the new local app with hundreds of DC area podcasts. Featuring some of the DC area's best personalities, pundits, and provocateurs. Earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts you love instantly. With new programs being added every week, don't hesitate. Download Podcast DC now for free. Available in the App Store or in Google Play. Podcast DC. Listen local. Say It Loud Network and Mino Lion Media presents Business First. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And today's discussion, we want to focus on the world of nonprofits. Nonprofits are also organizations. They are not traditional businesses. Um, but sometimes there's this feeling that all you need with a nonprofit is um, passion and um, the willpower to do good. And uh, what our next guest will tell you is that you need a whole lot more than that. All of the tools that you use, world, you absolutely need as a nonprofit founder and chief executive. And so we would like to open up the mic to Sabrina Lamb, a dear friend, um, one of the smartest women I know, and is really passionate about an organization that she founded called worldofmoney.org. Hey, Sabrina, how are you? <laughs> hey, Sonia, glad, glad to see you and uh, to hear you, actually. And to hear you, yes. For those of you listening, we had a little bit of tech technical get difficulty getting on, but it has worked out. The technology has prevailed, and Sabrina is here um, to share a lot of great um, information. But, you know, before we even talk about, you know, how you've grown World of Money into the organization um, that it is, an organization that started in 2005, I want to talk a little bit about your journey because you've done so many things. You've worked as an author, as a comedian, as a... Um, you've been a serial entrepreneur in a number of different areas. Um, but I think what I can say that I know about you is that everything you've done has really been, been driven from a point of passion. And so I w want you to talk a little bit about your journey and why you ended up with, because World of Money sounds, feels like it's very different from a lot of the things you've done previously. But it's one of the things you've been really most passionate about. And um, that passion is important for our audience to understand. So um, please tell us a little bit about how you got to, through your journey, how you got to um, World of Money. So prior to 2005, if you had said, Sabrina, you're going to create an organization dedicated to financial education for children, I would have said, excuse me, but I'm on the radio and I have a stand-up gig and I'm writing books. I'm living a living of creative life. But often, if you're listening, you will hear whispers that will take you to experiences and places that you never, ever experienced before. And that's what happened for me. So I was an attendant to a youth, a financial education for myself, and the aha moment came, and it said, what if children could learn what you're learning this weekend? And then the second question came, how different would your life have been if 
here receive financial education as a child. And it would be totally different. But just to take a step back, just to go back into the journey before that aha, those whispers, I was living a creative life. Um, I create stuff. And um, I, I am determined to live a life without any regrets. So any idea that I have, anything that, that um, comes to me that speaks to my heart, my spirit, and um, that has social impact, I, I'm going there. And I'm going to go there because I never want to say I would have, could have, should have. And we know of a lot of people, and unknown and unknown, who passed away with regrets. Right. I'm not going to be that person. So no matter what the outcome is going to be, and I'm always determined that it's going to be a victory, uh, going for everything that comes to me in my mind's eye and my spirit to do. Yeah, it's one of the things that I've always admired about you. You are relentless when you have an idea. You are absolutely relentless when um, when something speaks to you and you're about to um, give birth. And I think everything that what you said is is so important for our audience because you know we are regularly inspired. Like I don't know anyone who I, I've never met anyone in this journey who hasn't said you know they had an idea or they thought about something that could make the world different or make their lives different and yeah they were either scared to, to move on it or um, didn't feel like they had all of the resources necessary to do that and so you know part of this journey for you too um, although these whispers have come to you and these these images have come um, the journey hasn't been easy always, but you have really persisted with um, this dream. And what, like, what did, what, what was the very first thing that you decided to do when you were like, okay, I'm going to create this opportunity for children to learn about money, the importance of money? Started to do the research to see what was available. Looked all around, and even after 16 years, we're the leading provider of immersive culture reflective financial education for children. We don't do workshops. We provide 120 immersive classroom hours. And so often we wait for until we have everything together, whatever that yeah. thing is, before we do something. Um, I had never launched a nonprofit before, but there's a thing called Google and I'm going to find the answer and then I do that. And did I make a ton of errors? Absolutely. But did that stop delivering upon the mission? Absolutely not. And I think that if you wait for the perfect time for so-and-so to co-sign to get, because people were, some people were saying, well, maybe children don't, don't want to learn this or you need so-and-so's permission. And I said to them, because I'm, you know, my parents' child and my ancestors' child, I don't need your permission to do what I want to do. And often we go through life waiting for for permission, waiting for external value or acknowledgement. And that's not a life that's, that is appealing to me, Sonia. Yeah, I know. Um, let, it, let us into what the immersion looks like, um, because it is very different from any of the programs that you do. What, what does immersion look like as opposed to like the workshops that um, many of us have attended? Sure. So 9 a.m. to 4.30, Monday through Friday in July of each year. Um, it includes 
includes immersive assignments as well as wealth work, um, interactive activities, field trips to financial um, institutions, whether that's the Federal Reserve or Investment Bank or the home of Alexander Hamilton, a final exam that they have to pass. There's a don't act the fool uh, policy. And there's Excel spreadsheets and Mandarin Chinese. And, and I remember I was watching uh, a testimonial of Rachel, who was 11 at that time. And she says, I really feel like I graduated from business school. No, real, real business school. <laughs> and, you know, you never want to provide a service or an opportunity for children and treat them like, oh, the poor children, you know, they, we don't want to stretch them or we don't we want them to to live an easy life that's not how this world looks you know and so that's why parents and our children our students understand it happens in July of each year of course we have year-round programming but it's an immersion experience because we are determined to play generational catch-up with this information and so a workshop and just giving you a part of it a workshop on budgeting and everyone goes home is not going to serve you and we also say to uh, children, you must separate yourself from anyone or any institution that does not require the best and more than your best because they're not doing you any favors. Right, right. And you've also seen what's been interesting too. Like this has been, there have been many breakthrough moments for not only the children, but for the parents. Because even though they, many of the parents have believed that this is an important program for their children, what they see their children become and the questions that the children now come home and ask their parents is, is it, it shows the parents the value of this. What are some of those, um, those, those uh, moments that, that folks have shared with you? Well, it ranges from parents saying, who is that child upstairs doing homework and wants to do it? We make, we teach in a way that um, just excites children and we see them and we call them by name and we have great expectations for them. And yes, this is fun. And you have all this assignments that you have to do tomorrow, right? <laughs> and so they go home and the parent is saying, what? Who is this child? Because they don't, they're not pushed in that way at their primary school. Primary school. The other experience that we hear from parents is, my child just came home and wanted to see my credit report. <laughs> Or said, can we have a team meeting so we can lower the financial expenses in the household or ask me about my retirement? One of the purposes of World of Money or the opportunities at World of Money is to include family in the conversation. So now children, as opposed to driving consumerism uh, regarding money, now they're saying, this is what I learned at money at World of Money, and then I, I want to share this with you. But as a family now, now mom, dad, that I understand and how we can start to build financial security and prosperity and philanthropy in our family as opposed to running to stores every five minutes to fill the emptiness that maybe some of us feel. And the children get it, don't they? They actually, they, do they actually, do they see the difference in what it looks like to be a consumer mm -hmm. and what it looks like to be financially responsible? Absolutely. And it's not a, we don't have a wagging, uh, you know, right. you need to study 
clean. You need to be. We showed them because many children, particularly early on, Sonia said, and and African-American children, did not see them aligned with this world power called currency. It's one of the most powerful currencies on the planet besides love or your religion. And when we showed them, for example, African billionaires and, and laid out their journey to acquiring wealth, you see the body posture of our children change. Oh, and, and, and the question also becomes, I can't, are you telling me I can't spin my way to wealth? In other words, if I, I'm standing in those lines for another pair of sneakers, not because they're an asset, they're, they're a liability, and I'm really spending money to fill the emptiness. I'm trying to prove I'm worthy. And the day one, second one, I go around to every child, Sonia, and I say, and I get their eyes. It says, give me your eyes. In particular, their eyes are looking down. I say, you're perfect as you are. You're perfect right now. You don't have to spend another nickel to spit to, to fill or to prove or anything. And then we show them what the outcome, the financial, because they love money, right? <laughs> the financial outcomes of their consumerism. And then we move them over to saving and investing and entrepreneurship and philanthropy. You know, right. the roadmaps to those who have acquired financial security. You know, and you've t- and- you've taken these children too out of the country to visit other places and to talk about wealth and the economies of those countries as well. That's right. We've gone to China twice, Hong Kong, South Africa, um, Cuba. And, and the purpose is, yeah, we enjoy the cultural, you know, landmarks and the culture of those particular countries. But we want our children to understand that the world of money is indeed world. You know, Cuba has an economy. Cuba has an economy. And, you know, once you understand and understand Understand through entrepreneurship how to connect with them. It's indeed the world world of money. Wow. So obviously, this is a nonprofit that is changing lives, and and we can't even see um, the benefit yet. But we know that you are planting the seeds to really, as as you have said, and the goal of the organization is for generational wealth. And so there are a lot of people who hopefully are listening to this and are saying, yes, like I have something that I think could change the the dynamics of of our community, and I'd like to launch that. Um, But the the creating this structure was also not easy. And so what's really important, and I'm sure you can, you're you're a strong testimony to this, is what you've learned along the way to be able to create a structure to continue this program since 2005. Mm. And how has that, how have you been able to do that? And what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? Um, I've learned a lot and I'm still learning and crystallizing all of the lessons. Well, let's start with even sales. You know, the 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 you know the selling of of the idea. I, I I don't think when people think about nonprofits that they think that you really are in the business of creating buy-in and getting people to support the idea, not just in terms of the community that you serve, but the money that is needed to be able to create these these services for people. Well, when year one, I came to this uh, nonprofit as oh. Send me your children. You don't have to give anything. You know, it's free. 
<laughs> that was a mistake because it was no alignment with appreciation. And mm. I was saying to them in a spiritual way, you don't have anything to give. And they have a lot to give with this time, money, resource, referral. And I didn't, I dare not require any of that from anyone. Mm. And when I started to require that, some people went by the wayside. Some people continued on the journey, understood the skin in the game. And those who had skin in the game, whether it's donations or volunteerism, are still a major advocates to world of money, right? So that started with me, though, in terms of those who stayed and didn't, because I didn't require of it of them. And people want to feel that they have something to give, something to give. And, and some perhaps don't, but it was a mistake for me in the early years to not require some uh, buy-in from the constituents, from parents, from children. That was a mistake. Right. And do you think that that's part of the mindset of it's a nonprofit? So it's a nonprofit. So it should be free. People need it. So they're going to they're going to contribute. And you're saying that that's not necessarily the case. You know, World of Money is an institution, it's a social impact organization. And as an IRS organiza- uh, charitable organization, our purpose is not to make profit. Well, we got to pay for something. <laughs> Yeah. It's a social impact organization in re- with revenues and expenses and so forth. And we and we, um, you know, make sure that there's some um, there's access and equality for everyone. And we'll teach you how to fish instead of give you the fish. But um, this idea that nonprofits and many who have folded because they didn't require uh, contributions or participation from those they serve. You know, that's not the organization that world of money is now. And how are you able to make that that transition? Like, how are you able to get people to feel committed or encourage or inspire people to feel committed? I started, I started by saying to, I remember one day we were on a field trip and there was a, another field trip that was happening. And I said to the parents, if that field trip is going to happen, then you're going to have to lead it because I'm busy or I'm laying whatever I'm doing, you know, and I started putting the responsibility for the services or activities or opportunities for our children on the parents and some of them didn't um they said wow i i didn't have that opportunity because no one has invited us to participate in our own liberation at world of money we require that we, no, we not require because you can't make it but we're going to ask you right because we also say that nothing enters a closed fist so if you're just showing up in spaces waiting to be given to how does that lead to your financial prosperity and creating value in the world. And that's that's been the perspective. And we've had, you know, many, many, many parents who get that, who uh, share that with their children. And maybe they hadn't done that before, but that's how institutions are built, you know, with everyone, all the stakeholders and not treating them like they don't have the capacity to give. Um, you've also had to, so the interesting thing, I'm going to bring up the the, the board members. That's, that's always an interesting walk because even for people who want to 
to be on the corporate boards where you know you can make $250,000, $300,000 a year on these corporate boards, you know, the recommendation for people who want to be on those boards is to start with nonprofits, is to get on a nonprofit board. Um, but people really don't understand the importance of sitting on a board, right? Even if your goal is to do some other things, it's really, it's to do work. It's not just to, and it's to, to, to help bring in funds. And so that was also a challenge for you. Like people are really honored by being able to sit on a board, but um, there's, there's a level of responsibility that comes with that. That as well. And so that was, I know that was a learning process for you as well. A, and how did you? It was a, yeah, it was a definitely a learning process. And people need to understand that uh, sitting on a board is not a passive activity. You know, it's not just to come and give your opinion, see you later. And I pray that we do come to a day that those who really want to serve on corporate boards and they're rewarded financially, amazing with all the resources and the thought leadership that they provide for these corporations and they're paid for it, that they could go back to other smaller organizations and transform those communities that are waiting for those individuals to show up and pour into them. Um, I'll never understand um, the obsession with joining corporate boards that don't reflect the, the communities that these people often come from. Um, and I just know so many organizations that are waiting for those people that have amazing resources, ideas, strategies, financial that could change the lives, and there and these organizations serve. You know, when we talk about African American people or Latino or Asian, they're they're serving those children or those people. So I would just like a return, a year of return for those who are seeking to be on these compensated boards, which is nice to also add to your board service uh, portfolio serving on a, a, a nonprofit, I call them social impact organizations that reflect the community from where you came. Right, right. How did you manage that for someone who is, you know, you know, thinking about what their board is going to look like, about to approach to sit on their board? What kind of script or guidelines would you offer to someone who's thinking about doing that? Why? What? Why, why do I want to serve on this board? Am I looking for a prestige or am I determined to roll up my sleeve? And, and contribute transformational work. And when we're having a global conversation or a national conversation about diversity and inclusion, does it reflect the community of which I came in? And if, I, and if I'm not focused on those organizations that desperately need me, why? Because I would want us to be equally as proud of serving on a smaller, from a revenue perspective, because if they're not small in terms of impact and legacy, they it, it would be just so impactful if we just had more involvement for those and and then and then posting them I'm serving on the organization that you never heard nonprofit and be equally as proud that's the right. energy I would love to see and so for someone who's, who's selecting their board members what is kind of like a, 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 maybe a red flag or what is it that is going to alert you that you know what maybe this isn't the right person um, I like this person I, I, I value them I think they'd be great for me. Um, but maybe they're not great for this organization. For a nonprofit or corporate? For a nonprofit. For someone, yeah. this is for someone who is thinking about pulling together their board as a nonprofit. 
organization. And there's a couple of path, two different paths on that this particular subject. Some nonprofits don't require board members to have any skin in the game to make any contributions, or they'll have a board that um, is diverse. Some can make, you know, write a give check a- annually, and some can't. I say everybody should give something, something, and then just be really clear on what is your, what are you giving as opposed to just sitting there, you know, because it's not sitting on a board. I'm working for this organization and I'm going to pour into them. And it, particularly if I can't, you know, maybe write a significant uh, contribution, I'm going to work with that CEO to write grants and raise money. Because how do you pay for How do you scale? How do you build infrastructure? And that has to be really front and center because it does take money to, to do things. So you've been able to expand where you created an app. Tell us about your the app that you created and why you thought it was important to add that feature to this nonprofit. So World of Money started receiving requests from around the country and around the world for, you know, our approach. We're headquartered here in New York City, but um, we launched an app in 2017 to respond to the requests. So we have programming partners in Senegal, Rwanda, South Africa, Ghana, Kenya, and here in the United States. And then in 2020, last year, we launched World of Money Online, which is self-guided, immersive course. I love that word, immersive. (laughs) That's embedded in the course is a separate course that um, teaches building or learning um, artificial intelligence. And then we're also leveraging the power of technology by with our virtual World of Money Institute because all of our programming is going to be uh, virtual this year. And so we're launching our virtual institute with live daily business meetings, influencers beaming in. Children have already enrolled from around the country and a couple of other countries. And we're excited about it because of the power of technology, our mission can can continue. Right. What's exciting about that is uh, it's, it's a great example of how nonprofits can grow and should grow like any other organization. So based on the needs of your constituents, based on the requests, that you had gotten globally uh, based on, you know, how the pandemic restricted, you know, how we gather and how we connect. Um, all of these things were born, all of these new items and features were born out of these either circumstances or prompts. And the importance of, if you could talk about the importance of listening to, because again, when you start a nonprofit or start a new organization, sometimes you have a narrow view of how, what your value it is. Um, and then, of course, when you get to work with your community and your constituents, you get to learn a lot of different things. And so why is it so important to just stay open so that you can grow and really serve the market in very different ways and dynamic ways? Well, first we have to demystify nonprofits are businesses. They're absolutely businesses. We have to you know, pay taxes, revenues and expenses. There's a board that is legally responsible to make sure that the organization fulfills its mission. And so, you know, it's really important to always keep that in mind and when you look from a business perspective, we always hear the term value proposition. Is there, is there a demand? We can see the demand with the requests that came in and have come in over the years. But we didn't want to respond to it by just responding and doing um, a sloppy job. So, for example, when those who say, well, how can we replicate what you do at World of Money in New York? How can we replicate in other cities? I'm just very candid. It takes money. It takes infrastructure. It has to be those that are on the ground to replicate it 
we're not going to replicate just for that sake um, because we don't want the one in Atlanta, World of Money Atlanta, to be different than the one here in New York. And so you're always listening and then you start to respond it. And frankly, we have the kind of mission because it's based upon financial education that can be delivered virtually. If we were some other, had some other mission that required, you know, face-to-face in-person contact like a sports team or whatever, we would have a, you know, a problem. But we have World of Money online to continue our mission. You know, when we talked in the, in the very beginning about how difficult this journey is, you know, sometimes when you create programs that are needed in our communities, I think that everybody's going to buy into it, right? Um, we won't mention any names, but, um, but you know, you have, have faced rejection um, and have been ignored, you know, when making presentations um, to people who their reputations are about, you know, financial empowerment in, in our community. And so how do you move past, um, like, really disheartening rejection when, and, and again, because it's different from a business deal. Sometimes when you think you, you know, you've created this nonprofit, um, you know you're serving. Um, a community and you have the receipts as folks say to say like look like I can show you how we're transforming families and 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 individual I can show you how children are thinking differently about their future um, what is it that makes you like recover or how do you recover and and I mean I know how you do it but really for the folks who are listening um, who have faced rejection um, or will face rejection we know they will face rejection just something they can think about as they continue on their very important yeah well I think it's really important to embrace one's humanness and to um, examine how you feel. And of course, I have felt disappointment if I meet the the so-and-so and, and, oh my gosh, they're going to be able to. But now I feel what a blessing they did. What a blessing. And the work has always been about serving our children. And there are many that don't, that's not what they're about. And I have to always honor that as a opposed to as a reflection or I'm going to take it personally, which, you know, initially that's the first reaction, but the ones that are no longer here or immediately showed world of money children who they are, it's a blessing that they're not here around us or they just, we just very clear. That would be a problem if I kept knocking on the door and they said very specifically, I'm not about, I'm not going to help you or I'm not going to help, you know, children and some that look like me. I'm not going to do that. That's not that's not what I'm into. Or I'm going to serve another organization that doesn't serve people who look like me. I said, wow, I, heard, I hear it loud and clear and keep moving because keep moving. of the over a billion people on the planet. You know, I'm going to wait and sit with those who say yes as to focus on those who say no. Okay. And so you did have a very great yes, a recent partnership, um, which is you know, a true blessing and a goal of many organizations to be um, to collaborate with an organization. If you want to tell us about this partnership and, and, and how it came to be. Always be mindful of, of what you focus on because you will attract it. So for the last three or four years in my heart, I had envisioned how can we partner? How can World of Money partner? And I started to meet with different organizations and they start or they stall for whatever reason and that was fine. And then and, you know, every morning, you know, I, I practice Buddhism and I face the West. <laughs> and it was amazing because a phone call that I received back in March came from the Midwest in the direction that I face. <laughs> <laughs> 
And on the call was a senior team of an organization based in Chicago. And I thought they wanted to in, you know, invite me to speak at the whatever. They knew exactly why they were calling. I didn't. And by the time that hour was over, they said, we would like to acquire the world of money. And this was the YWCA of Metropolitan Chicago. And it's a 140-year social impact organization. And even though World of Money is 16 years old, now World of Money's legacy is confirmed for hundreds of years. And I'm also partnered with colleagues that our sole mission as a collective is to er eradicate injustice no matter where and how it appears. Gender, um, economic justice, food insecurity. We have a farm in Illinois, the whole uh. thing. And so World of Money um, operates in the in the area of the portfolio, the overall portfolio of our social impact organization, fulfilling our mission, focusing on children, young adults, ages 7 to 21, in providing immersive financial education. And so how did they find you? And what was that conversation like? Because the mixing of cultures is always um, a thing. And so why did this feel like the, their mission obviously aligned with you, but what else about this um, collaboration felt right. Mm -hmm. So I was invited by a, a board member, a World of Money board member, and met the CEO in the previous year, but it was at a conference and we didn't talk business, it was just a great interaction and that was it. And it just, sometimes you just know. And during that one hour first meeting, it was, the focus was, Sabrina, we wanna pour into World of Money to give you all the resources that you need to grow this amazing mission. What? How can you say no to that? Right, <laughs> right, right. Because the resources, um, and again, for people who are interested in, in either launching or they're, they they may be struggling with the, the nonprofit that they have now, um, what was it that kept you going? Resources were always a challenge from the beginning um, and for a number of reasons, right? Whether people wanted to buy in, you know, selling, getting people to, to, to look at the organization and... Um, um, and, and, and feel that it was an attractive fit for, for their brands. I mean, there were all sorts of things that you had, had run across. But uh, for any nonprofit, resources is the biggest deal. Money is the biggest deal. Um, and so what is it that kept you going and managing this until this until this partnership? I would say definitely the support of everyone and anyone who supported World of Money, whether it was temporary or for decades, for the last 16 years years. I must honor all of those, um, whether it was board members or volunteers or parents or our amazing students who continue to be involved. Um, it took all of us. It took all of us. And I would say that the other part is it starts with prayer and determination and not knowing any better. <laughs> <laughs> and being okay with not knowing any better, right? Because if I had known, oh boy, because that goes back into, you know, you, you think, well, I'm going to launch this when I raise this type, this amount of money, or I'm going to do it when I, when I get this, or I have these people to support. I didn't have any of that. So what are you going to be able to accomplish now with this partnership? What is the goal? What is the vision? Has the vision changed now with the partnership? No. It's just facilitated. We have um, partners with 
with partnered with schools and youth organizations and um, just so excited. And because of we're virtual and we will continue to be virtual forever, we will return to the classroom, but we're also going to have our virtual institute. Those who have wanted to support or teach our children who live in other cities can now support, you know, but I'm also excited about, you know, those schools who we have partners with or partners with. And I'm honored that they're using World of Money online because what makes it different is that the financial lessons, Sonia, are taught by our children or children. You know, you and I are not part of the online curriculum. And so that's that's what I'm so excited about and onboarding this other organizations in the pipeline. And of course, we're enrolling students from around the country and around the world for our virtual institute. And it, it was almost like the, the joining forces with the YWCA sent a cosmic signal, a shift that expanded everything. Because I think that there's a phrase that says that the universe avoids or uh, um, was, was emptiness or something. But when that happened, then, then our doors got wider, oh. you know, got wider. So in the next year, what can we expect the next five years? What can we expect? World of Money. Where, where do you well, see the organization? Coming up in June, we're we're sponsoring a youth business pitch competition for the Eagle Academy School online. Very excited about that. Um, continuing our partnership in 2022, we'll return to the classroom and can't wait for to start registration for 2022. The joy coming out of those classrooms. I miss our moguls from the babies in their own classroom for seven to nine, our rising moguls ages 10 to 12, and our moguls 13 to 17. And we have another classroom for those middle schools who return every year. Um, that's only going to get larger be, and expand more. And, um, you know, students from who live in other cities, their parents will come to New York during that time to enroll World of Money in person because it doesn't exist where they live. So it's just going to be more of the same. And then, you know, we'll start to look at how can we replicate in other cities carefully right. because you don't replicate even if you were a traditional business. You just don't, I'm just going to expand because I'm just going to do it. It has to make sure that, you know, there is there is a community buy-in and, and necessary supports. All right. How many, in the 16 years, do you know how many children? Over 5,000. And 5,000 children. That's amazing. And so some of these children have graduated college, <laughs> have started their own businesses or working in different places. What have you heard back from, from them? So I think about Garrett, who um, I first met him when he was 12. No, maybe he was 11 because he was sniveling in his mother's armpit saying he didn't <laughs> want to go to World of Money. <laughs> and she said, boy, you are going. And so when he came through our doors and saw the promised land of Wall Street and financial services, lives in Brooklyn, what, five miles away from Wall Street, didn't even know that Wall Street and financial services existed, changed everything, started learning um, French and Arabic in his bedroom. He's fluent now in business French, graduated from Dartmouth, have started his own financial, um, he's an analyst on Wall Street. I told him, and mark my word, Garrett's going to be World of Money's first billionaire. Trust me on that. Wow. Um, I think of, of Sienna, who's in corporate America as well. Um, and I think about Dante, who has his own business called Underscore Ab that curates um, artists and helps them to create streams of income because just because you're an artist doesn't mean you have to not have money. I think about 
Um, I think about Russell Furon, who created an app that could detect the, the glucose levels of blood for diabetics. And through World of Money, he came in second place during our pitch competition. Saw someone from a, a American Heart Association who invited him to their accelerator. Long story short, he won $55,000. <laughs> wow. And so those are just some. And I'm almost like, I understand how biological mothers or parents feel because I can go on and on and on. Wow. <laughs> One more thing, but I will say this. I have to say this. So another of our students, um, Monica, first met her when she was 12, 13 years old, determined to be an opera singer, came to World of Money and says, oops, I'm changing my major. <laughs> And, but continue singing and would tour around the world singing opera and everything. She became passionate about real estate, just purchased her multifamily building in the Bronx. She's 26 years old, real estate agent and real estate investor and stays close to the organization because when they, when our students graduate from World of Money, it's not goodbye, it's hello. And come yeah. back and inspire and you'll see them interviewing the comptroller candidates or on um, Saturday, May 1st, and if, you're, if this airs uh, before the, um, or after May 1st, you can go to World of Money um, to our Facebook and watch the archive, but we have a, a born rich uh, global conversation for women, so financial experts who are women from South Africa, from Ghana, from the United States, and they're going to be moderated by World of Money students. So where can we follow you, hear about all the great thing that's going on. So follow me on IG on the gram at <laughs> Boss Sabrina Lamb and follow World of Money on the gram on IG at World of Money on Twitter as well as Facebook. Our website is worldofmoney.org. But I just encourage everyone to begin, you know, their own inventory when it comes to their own financial education journey. I know it is, there's a lot of uh, emotional issues attached to it. It could be one of joy or embarrassment or shame or what could I have done? Every day that you're alive, you can hit the reset button and start again. And at World of Money, we will support you in in that knowing. Well, it's a great story, Sabrina. It's been a great journey. And um, all of those those celebrations that you've just shared with us, um, yeah, it would be great to read about all of these kids and and how they've like totally trained transformed not only their lives, but the lives of their families, their generations going forward, which is which is the goal of worldofbuddy.org. So um, we wish you, I know the listening audience is, is wishing you much more success, and, uh, and we look forward to hearing much more and supporting. So any way that we can support you, um, I hope members of the audience will reach out and support you in your efforts. Thank you, Sabrina, and thank you all for listening and staying connected with Business First. You can follow me at Sonia Aline and business underscore first underscore podcast. Like, share, comment. We want to hear from you. We'll see you again next week.
Business First is hosted and produced by Sonia Aline. Associate producer, Lauren Turner. Edited by Ken Johnson. Executive producers, Omar Thompson, Andrew Kalb, and Ken Johnson. Find the Business First podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Business First podcast is a mean old line media and say it loud network production. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.